Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Hey everybody, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and today our show is Capitalism with Soul, Power to the People. Our special guest is Patricia Aberdeen, author of Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism. Good morning, Patricia, and welcome. Hi there, Cheryl. I'm delighted to be on your show. Oh, thank you so much. Now, you are on the East Coast today, right? Are you in Boston? I'm in Boston, yes. Wonderful. So, is it um, the traditional sunny summer Memorial Day weekend weather? It is unseasonably warm. It's Ah. supposed to be in the 90s today. Oh, boy. Uh, so um, people are pretty psyched to get out to the beach and have have picnics and stuff like that. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, today we're going to talk a bit about your book, Megatrends 2010, and also your own personal leadership journey. I know you have a lot to teach us all with that. Um, Patricia is not only author of Megatrends 2010, but has several books over the years, co-authored with um, John Nesbitt, Megatrends 2000, Reinventing the Corporation. Patricia wrote Megatrends for Women. You have a lot that you've been teaching us over the years, Patricia. And you've also, um, you were, you began your career in business journalism at Forbes magazine. Yes, longer ago than I care to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you also served as a public policy fellow at Radcliffe, um, in Cambridge. And, um, during that time you explored emerging leadership models. What got you interested in leadership in business to begin with? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I think that the interest was always there. I sensed a long time before I could prove it or find examples that the command and control model of leadership was um, dying and some would argue dead. And and now now we're talking about this in the early 70s, really before the new economy and all of that. So, you know, there was just a really, really strong sense that this um, this model of leadership, had we had outgrown it. And yet, like so many examples of change and evolution, the carcass is still around, you know? The carcass is still around. And so people... If they want to resist the sense of change, they can go, well, there's the, there it is right there. Yeah. And, and your argument, you could be arguing with them and saying, yes, but it's a dead carcass. Well, I don't know. I don't see any difference. So, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of controversial at the time. But, you know, it's, when you're a trend tracker, you gotta get used to controversial because it makes me think of when, when, um, John Nesbitt and I published Megatrends. I was actually not a co-author on that book, but, but a co- but his collaborator, mm-hmm. Uh, this is in 1982. I know I'm showing my age here, Cheryl, but what's a <laughs> girl to wisdom. do? But it's wisdom. Patricia. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. <laughs> and so, you know, that book came out in 1982, and, and the main idea was the shift from the leading megatrend in that book from an infor- from an industrial to an information uh, age. Uh-huh. And believe me, it was really controversial at the time. People were like, sure. "Information? How can you make mo- money on that?" 
And today, and this has a lot to do with leadership, so hang in there with me. Today, I believe that the information era is drawing to a close, and a really exciting new period is taking its place, and I call it the new economy of consciousness. Hmm. Well, your subtitle of your new book, Megatrends 2010, actually it's been out for two years, um, is the rise of conscious capitalism. So what is conscious capitalism? Well, con- conscious capitalism is both a megatrend and a movement, a self-organizing movement of investors, of consumers, and this is where your power to the people point mm-hmm. comes in, of visionary leaders, of so-called ordinary managers, of activists, to restore ethics and spirit to business. And it got started. It's been, you know, so many important parts of conscious capitalism have been around for decades, like socially responsible investing, for example. And yet, after the accounting scandals, uh, socially responsible investing absolutely took off in the in the critical years between 2001 and 2003. The overall fund universe um, shrunk by 4%, and yet socially responsible funds grew 7%. That's a sea change. That's when you really know something is going on here. There's a trend. It's happening. It's breakout time. Well, and so overall fund pool shrinks. Why is that? Why did that happen? Everybody was so burnt out and paralyzed and, and confused after the accounting scandals, they didn't know what to do. Okay. And also the value of investments, of course, shrunk in and of themselves. Now, if it were a small difference, if um, socially responsible funds had increased, oh, maybe maybe uh, 1%, you might go, yeah, not statistically significant. Uh-huh. So there were so few people wanted socially responsible mutual funds. But they shot up 7%. So people started to say, we need new criteria with which to evaluate what's a good investment and what's not. Well, you know, people became so, as you said, burned out with what was happening in in the corporate world and in commerce in general. Um, How is the... Our trend toward becoming, as you, as we've said in the past, you know, a global society, or um, our connection throughout the world, you know, seeing the world as is more accessible. How has that influenced this movement toward um, a more ethical way of doing business? Well, that's a big part of it. Um, but the other thing, in addition to this global world that we live in, where if you don't like investing in an oil company. In the U.S., you can invest in a wind uh, energy company in Spain. In fact, there's a very, very good one. Um, how? That's very, very important. But I think that you, if you could, if you want to put that change on a mega trend, maybe you're talking about trans, the transparency that technology creates. Because I mean, when you look at the bottom-up activism that was marshaled against Walmart in the past few years you really start to get to see how powerful technology is in the hands of grassroots activists and grassroots consumers, for that matter. And, and so speak a little bit more about the grassroots part of this. Well, you know, it really, to see, it's so great to be talking about this on a business show because it, it so many times what you and I hear about is, well, business, that's about Wall Street, yeah. that's about Fortune 500 companies, and, and so many of us, forget the power that we have as consumers and the power that we have as investors. 
70% of the U.S. GDP is attributable to consumer spending, 70%. Every time you and I lay down that credit card, we are making a statement about what we think about business, what companies we want to reward with our business, and what companies we want to boycott by, you know, just not choosing to yes. do business with them. Yes, yes, and of course, and, and spend, using a credit card versus cash or... No, no, I just payment. meant... You no, know. I understand that, but, but you know, that in itself is also a statement in how we want to, um, what we want to support, you know, what way we want to support our the growth of our economy. Um, it, it's, it's not as a straight line as some people might think. Um, now, there is some sense that capitalism itself is, um, quote-unquote, the enemy, you know? Yeah. Um, and how, what do you think about that? Capitalism as we have known it uh-huh. um, reflects the philosophy that Milton Friedman put forth um, that says the social responsibility of business is to increase profits, period. Mm-hmm. That is the only self, so, social responsibility business mm-hmm. has. And that's the kind of, that's the brand or the flavor of capitalism that people are naturally rejecting as the en- enemy. But capitalism isn't a an ideology that's been set in stone by Adam Smith or, or Milton Friedman. It's a living, evolving, with all it is is how we do business. And we have the power as grassroots consumers and activists and, and investors to shape capitalism. Capitalism changes and evolves. Look at the look at the um, New Deal and the Marshall Plan and all the amazing things that they did earlier. Uh, in the previous century, and today, as the consciousness of the the people in the business community of the of the as the conscious capitalists change how they look at the world, how they look at economics, and what they think the vision of business should be, then capitalism changes and evolves. So, I don't look at it as the enemy, although I certainly can understand how some people would. Um, but you got to see that it's all based on the agreements that we make uh, as participants in society. And if we want to change those agreements, if we want to say that, you know, dirty, rotten, scoundrel capitalists, that brand of capitalists belong in jail because they pollute and destroy the earth, we have the right to do that, and we are. And we also have the right to choose, as you said, to make to determine what organizations we support, what brand of business we support. And so if we want those, quote-unquote, dirty, rotten scoundrels to go to jail, but we want to buy their product because... But we want to go buy their product? I misunderstood. No, if we want them to go to jail, but we go out and buy their product, you know, I mean, because it's convenient to us or it's... um, Something that we like having. Then that's a powerful mismatch. It's a profound, powerful mismatch that I think is going to make whoever does that uncomfortable deep within themselves. I mean, the, the whole idea of values-driven, dr- values-driven investment and values-driven consumption is that we align our values with the choices that we have. Um, with our pocketbook. And I suppose there are some times when people feel that they have to make compromises like that, and um, I certainly wouldn't want to judge them for that, but I wouldn't want to live my, my life like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for 
for instance, the, one of our current, and, and actually not so current, has been going on for many years, um, issues that is going on is in the oil industry and, you know, our fossil fuel consumption and we all drive these you know, cars that aren't necessarily ecologically sound. Um, mm-hmm. And we typically, as a society, say, well, you know, well, we got to drive. You know, we have freeways. You have to drive. And um, and yet, you know, we're, we're thinking that the oil executives are, you know, the bad people. So when we come back, I want to talk to you more about that. Great. From the stock market floor to your computer, you're listening to Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap, redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be. Success, over and over again, and wealth result when you reap regularly reap what you sow with alana daily broadcast each thursday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the voice america business channel reap what you sow learn the rules of the game then play better than anyone else tune in every tuesday at 8 a.m pacific time for the growth strategist with aldana ambler on the show aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you the business owner back Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. 401s, stock, mortgage, retirement, wealth. We cover it all. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking with Patricia Aberdeen today, author of Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism. Before break, Patricia, we were speaking about what has been going on in the corporate world and in commerce over the last 10 years or so, and um, we were looking at choices that we make as consumers and how if we're saying that the behavior of specific people or executives and organizations is not ethical or is not um, transparent, then we believe they should be punished, there should be consequences for that. And yet there are times when we, as we're saying that, you know, on one hand, on the other hand, we're 
still buying the product and in that sense voting with our dollars. Yeah. And so, um, you know, how do we justify this? And you, you said that people, you know, will start feeling uncomfortable around this. Well, I don't think you can justify it unless you, uh, if you, if you come from a victim mentality or a powerless mentality. I mean, if, if you believe that you want your, you can only have power around your money if you believe that you want to use your money in a way that's powerful in a way that makes a statement. Um, if you don't want to if you don't want to do that, I mean I kinda don't know what to say to you. <laughs> because it it's sort of like every every vote that we take, uh-huh. every every penny that we spend is somehow reflecting the values that we hold dear. And if you don't want to align with your um, your financial and economic actions with your values you're not. You're not. You're choosing not to be powerful. Yeah. That's your choice. Yeah. Well, you know, about 25 years ago, there was a study that was done at the Stanford Research Institute, and it's called VALS. And it stands for Values and Lifestyles, and this was funded by major corporations. And we have an e- email from one of our listeners, Bud Wilson, from Boulder, Colorado, okay. um, and he is saying that the VALS. Um, Research was actually, because it was funded by major corporations, um, he sees it as an early attempt at greenwashing, quote-unquote green consumerism washing. And, um, and he believes that until we consciously decide that the missing component of this discussion really is about um, not lifestyle but quality of life, um, and that we look at the three R's of environmentalism, reduce, reuse, and recycle, um, and that we're not doing the first R really well at all as a society, the reduce part. So that, that speaks to our consumerism. So how do we get more of that to happen? Well, it's interesting. Um, change is so slow. I mean, we, we were talking about oil companies and automobiles and that sort of thing um, a little while ago. And... Um, Last time I was in Telluride, Colorado, I'm actually leaving Telluride, Colorado and moving closer to Bud over to Boulder, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I saw for the first time um, 100% electric cars around the town. I had never seen them before. I had never have, have, never knew they were on the market except in maybe some strange experience. In Telluride? Yeah. Oh. And these, these you know, the joke about about hybrids was, where do you plug them in? Well, these babies, you do have to plug in. <laughs> They're 100% electric, and you, you can drive them for about 35 miles before you need to um, recharge them. And they're, they're the perfect little town car. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, the problem is that we're, we're hooked up to, to corporations who don't understand our interests and don't understand what we, the values-driven consumers, Want. And, and look at the whole story of, of Detroit and of, oh, those Japanese people, those Japanese uh, car makers, Honda um, and Toyota. Well, how come, the, how come they went and made all, the, all the, the hybrids? Well, you know, because they're visionary and because they have, you know, figured out what people are going to need, because they have a perspective having come from a country where where um, gasoline costs so much more than it did today, and it gave them a strategic advantage. And anybody today, any automaker today, just to pick, 
you know, one major, major part of this discussion yeah. who, who doesn't understand um, the rising cost of oil and the desire on the part of consumers to reduce. I mean, I'd have to take issue with Bud a little bit there um, because you've got a whole movement of green building, the whole movement of organic food. Is it throughout the society? No, but the, the, the hardcore values-driven consumers who vote with their pocketbook, their numbers have been estimated at anywhere between 16 and 25%. Their influence is spreading more toward the second sort of concentric circle of, of followers. My sister bought a hybrid car the, the minute it came on the market. She's the family environmentalist. She's a vegetarian. She does all the stuff right. I, I am not, but I am a very interested follower. And so I finally bought a hybrid um, in 19, in uh, 2006, last year. And I love it, and I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't, do it any other way, but some parts of this of I, I mean I think that illustrates that things are moving that the, the, these values driven movements yeah. of all sorts are moving mainstream and I actually think that um, getting back to socially responsible investing i um, that's another example of a pioneering visionary part of this conscious capitalist group. They have to be careful now that they are not completely destroyed by the mainstream that wants to get into the act. Well, and that, that's been interesting to me to observe um, how there, there seems to have been this tipping point where Absolutely. Um, all, all of a sudden, you know, all these organizations are you know, raising their hand and saying, oh, we're green, we believe in green, and, you know, but two months before they were... Um, well, you, you fill in the blank. They were doing all kinds of things all around the world that were anything but green. And so how is it that we as a consumer can assess whether that's true or whether it's just, you know, we have to survive in this economy. In order to do that, we have to raise our hand and say we're going green. Well, I think that the that as consumers, we're not stupid. I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure on corporations for more disclosure than there's ever been before. Is it possible you can get fooled? I suppose it is. Nobody's perfect. I mean, uh, even Whole Foods, which is a hugely exemplary co- uh, company in terms of, of workplace democracy and yeah. many, many positive things, you know, they've been taken to task by activists for yeah. for things. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the give and take of business. I mean, um, we have to check these things out. We do our best. And uh, if we get fooled, we uh, get back at these companies and tell them we expect better. Yeah. And activists and consumers and investors are doing that. I mean, the the level of of independent and the, oh, I should have thought this. You look to the independent third party assessment, and this is going to be more and more important. The lists of organizations that measure up. You can go on, there's a group called Co-op America. You can go on their website and, you know, look at places like Nike or The Gap or Walmart or Target and and see how well these name brand companies measure up to certain criteria that uh, Co-op America has established. So the third-party independent um, um, rating agencies, who are the who are the 20 most environmentally friendly companies in the in the world. You can find that on sustainablebusiness.com. Um, who are the great um, 
uh, Corporate Citizens. You can find that in um, business at the Business Ethics 100 Top Corporate Citizens that comes out every year. And similarly with the Best Places to Work, the Fortune Best Places to Work. So, you know, people aren't dumb. They do their research. They figure it out. And so that, that element of being a networked world, um, having access to information. So the information economy has actually served us to now move forward into this new new economy that you're speaking about. Yeah, and, and there, you say that there are seven trends that we really need to pay attention to um, that are evolving. And could you talk a little bit about those? Well, these trends taken together are what constitutes uh, conscious capitalism. And they are, they start with actually one that is, that is less financial, and that is the shift in the power of spirituality from a more personal expression to a more organizational expression. And that trend is about so many leading CEOs and executives wanting to sort of um, destroy the firewall between their spiritual, the spirituality in their personal life, and finding appropriate ways to bring it into business. Well, and it, but that's never been okay. I mean, it never. seems like we've the pendulum has swung. That mm-hmm. um, way back when it was um, in Western Europe and in the U.S., um, the mention of spirit in business was about religion and specifically Christianity. Right. And then it moved to don't talk about it at all. And now you're saying that it's coming back. What form is it coming back in? It's coming back in highly indiv- in a highly individualized form, with um, with CEOs like like Bill George, uh, retired chairman and CEO of Medtronic. Uh, it's probably much bigger than this now, but the last time I checked, the Fortune 500, uh, an eight eight or nine billion dollar corporation, um, talking about his how important meditation is for him, how he gets his best business ideas through meditation, and instituting um, or championing championing the creation of a meditation room uh, at Medtronic, for example. That's one example. And I have many more examples in the book of of, um, of uh, CEOs who do that. Now, I'm not saying it isn't controversial. It is controversial. Some of those CEOs who are interested in this kind of stuff are, are Christian, and some of them might even be proselytizing, for all I know. Um, so it is a controversial issue, but it's back. And I'm, I'm going to point again to the accounting scandals, because um, this, it, it played, it was like the, the whole dark side of capitalism really, really came out then, and we were like, whoa, this is really some ugly stuff. I mean, just plain lying about $8 billion worth of money? I mean, gosh, how are people doing this? So when that happened and when so many fallen heroes of free enterprise were marched off to the jailhouse, people kind of looked at this spirituality thing. It, it created an opening for stuff that had been taboo in the past. And, uh, you know, people kind of thought, well, gee, you know, at least it's not, you know, criminal intent. <laughs> so, you know, it became a little bit more acceptable. Mm-hmm. We'll continue with Patricia Aberdeen right after this break. You're 
listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Market. With Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking with Mr. Aberdeen today, author of Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism. Patricia, um, in speaking about some of the CEOs and senior executives you interviewed and people who own businesses, and they began to share stories with you about how they have touched their own spirit, their own spirit and their own spirituality and have brought that forward into um, their work. And um, do you think that this has been going on longer than people have been willing to talk about? I think so. I think so. I think that people who have a, have a mission uh, within them to change the world, um, either through business or maybe through another cause that they believe in, you know, are always finding, looking for ways to align what's in their heart with what they do every day. I mean, I think that that we've rejected in terms of contemporary values, I mean, not that we've sorted it all out completely yet, but we've rejected the notion that um, there's what you do in your heart of hearts, um, there's what you do at your church or synagogue or your temple, and then there's, then there's, there's who you are out in the business world. I mean, it's just so alienating and lonely, and I think that for decades now, people have said, no, this just doesn't work, it doesn't feel good, and... And uh, it's not who I want to be as a person. And that really speaks to how people have become disconnected to their work. And um, this 
trend that I've seen um, over the lifetime of business that I've been exposed to where individuals go to work, do their job, and leave. And they don't want to be involved in social activities with people at work. Um, they want to do that all outside of the organization. They want to um, have their family. They're exhausted. They just want to go home. Yes. And so I, I wonder... Um, I wonder now, do you think this is going to reverse that? Do you think people are going to want to become more a part of their work community? Well, you know, Cheryl, I think that, that it's, it, it isn't really either or that there are multiple option lifestyles. You know, there, there, there are going to be people who, who just uh, don't, who want their family and their personal life to be separate. Um, but then, I mean, notice notice um, all of the new internet companies and during the new economy, and how the uh, how they set up systems whereby their uh, employees could find more of themselves on the job. So, you know, it's going to get sorted out in a lot of different ways. But I think that the this, this notion that I'm a completely different person when I go to work uh, that's gone. Although there may, may be very different different degrees and different options for people to work that through. Sure. I love a quote that you have in this book um, from Jay Sidhu, who was the chairman and CEO of the Sovereign Bank Corp. Yes. Um, yes. He says, my own personal journey has convinced me that you cannot reach your potential as a leader if you are not using your potential as a human being first. Yeah. That's a beautiful quote. Exactly. And, you know, for years there has been a a um, desire on a lot of people, in a lot of people, to show up in a very clear, heartfelt way, and there has been a fear of doing that. And um, you say that that's beginning to shift a bit. Um, what do you see happening that is allowing that shift to take place? That is allowing people to actually show up. What do we see that actually supports that? Well, I think it's uh, to a large extent it's all of the all of the seven trends that I talk about. Um, there's this there's this melting of this firewall. The first one is about this melting of this firewall between the personal and the organizational, so that that people just want to be themselves more more at home and and be themselves not just at home but be more at home when they're in business. Mm. And then you know rethinking. The, the 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 very definition of capitalism is part of that too, because if we believe that we are that there's more to business than making a profit, then it isn't um, it isn't incumbent on everybody to be a son of a bitch <laughs> when they're doing business, because you know their reputation matters, um, establishing trust matters. I, I read this wonderful book by Stephen Covey. Uh, Junior, who was the son of the famous writer, called the Speed of Trust, and he he's, he's a, a fabulous writer in his own right, and he talks about that how there is an economic value in establishing trust, and in, in that old model of capitalism, you know everybody was out for themselves, and so you couldn't really have trust. And he talks about how that literally costs corporations tons and tons of money. Right. So the, the old corporate mantra, it's just business, don't take it personally. Oh, God. I mean, every time I hear that Donald Trump say that, I want to just, you know, shave his head off. I was so <laughs> disappointed when he didn't have to shave his head off. 
boy, we could go all way, way into another conversation around that. Yeah, but, but we won't. Focused. <laughs> hey, you know focused. something? My hair does, hair doesn't look so hot today either. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. And thank God for radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So back to our um, seven trends that you have identified of conscious capitalism. And you said one of the first ones is, is spirit, in the power of spirituality. And we've talked a bit about the dawn of conscious capitalism. Yes, we have. And um, the third one you list is leading from the middle. Yeah. What is this? Well, the leading from the middle is the notion that it takes more to be a leader. And this, is, this so addresses your favorite topic of leadership. It takes more to be a leader than to have a position of authority. Some of the greatest leaders who have changed society in the most important ways, like Martin Luther King, like Mahatma Gandhi, like Margaret Sanger, did so um, through the power of moral authority and not temporal authority. And so when we lead by moral authority, we lead from within. And that's what Jay Situ is talking about, this, this from the inside out, from the inside out, this notion that the, the person I am, the values that I live my life by and that I do my job by, have an impact on the people around me. And moral authority is the respect that your peers grant unto you. And with that respect, you have the power to do things in your world and to change your world. And, and there are these two um, great authors, one from Stanford, Deborah Meyerson, and one from Harvard, Joseph Badaracco, who have books out on how potent the so-called ordinary manager is and how they, they these academics come to the conclusion that ordinary managers can have more impact on an organization than the, you know, charismatic, and believe me, I use that in the secular sense, the swashbuckling CEO, um, that, you know, is just a lot of razzle-dazzle. And then there's the ordinary managers who are at their desk doing their job, getting the job done, leading by moral authority, and they have a bigger impact on the organization. And so this gets back to what you were speaking about earlier around someone who lives in the space of feeling like a victim no longer really has a place in the organization. And I think that for a long time that middle management role felt totally powerless to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, what you're saying is that some people in that role have just decided to just do it. That's and, right. And that's beginning to create the shift. That's Absolutely. It's a very important part of it, yep. Mm-hmm. And so um, so what do we say to the individuals who are not in management, who are um, who don't have the title um, and yet still have responsibility in organizations? Um, do they have more power these days? Well, when I talk about ma- so-called ordinary managers, I mean team leaders, I mean grassroots leaders of any sort. Mm-hmm. Um, the point, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, in the time, in the, in the, on the organization chart, so to speak, what matters is, um, are you willing to lead from your values? Are you willing to lead from the inside out? And some people are and some people aren't. But, um, to say that you can't do it, that's not, that's not true. There are many, so many examples today of people who have. You know, I am in the 70s, early 80s, I think it was, Tom Peters, who I'm sure you know, 
Um, I actually do know him. I've yeah. met him several times. I'm sure you have. <laughs> In my old Megatrends years. That's right. That's right. He wrote the book In Search of Excellence way back when, which yeah. became a phenomenon. But he said something that so struck me and became my mantra when I was working internal um, in organizations in corporate um, America, which was be willing to go to work every day and be fired for what you believe in. Good for him. Yeah. (laughs) That's big. That's really big. And to do that, people have to understand what their own bottom line is, which gets to that point of... um, how do I do my own personal work? How do I decide um, what my boundary line is between how I show up and when um, it's not okay with me? Well when, said. When do I take risk? And um, yeah. am I willing to know that I, I'm going to walk away? Yes. Oh, I, I love that. I mean, that really, really says it all, Cheryl. It really does. It's absolutely the bottom line. That also applies to being a values-driven consumer, you know, which is another one of the trends that you've identified. And uh, so it, gets, it speaks to the issue of um, voting with our dollars and being willing to understand what's important to me, what's good for my family, what's good for my pocketbook, and can it all be the same. And so we as consumers, it sounds like what you're telling us is we no longer have the right or the luxury to not be informed and not take a stand. We'll talk more about this when we return. You're listening to The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Have you ever had a bad day and wish someone could come along and change it at the flip of a switch? Do you dream of living the life of wealth, great relationships, and the perfect job, but don't know where to start? Then tune into The Winner's Attitude with corporate trainers, motivators, authors, and hosts, Jeff and Val G. No difficult strategies or complicated keys. Jeff and Val present a powerful and effective technology to switch your operating system to create the most amazing life. It has been said that winners have simply formed the habit of doing amazing things. Winner 
winners know how to activate that switch, and so can you. The Winner's Attitude with Jeff and Val G. Broadcast each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Winner's Attitude. Switch me on. From the stock market floor to your computer, you're listening to Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. All right. We're speaking with Patricia Aberdeen today, author of Megafix 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism, and the seven trends that transform how we work, live, and invest, Patricia has identified as existing in our world today. So we've spoken of uh, five of the trends. I'm, yep. I'm, the next trend is the wave of conscious solutions. And, um, you know, what, what do you mean by that? By that, I mean that we haven't even started to begin to explore the extent to which so many of the tools and the techniques that you and I have used in, uh, in, the, in our own personal journey toward evolution and our own personal growth, the extent to which these are useful in business. Hundreds, probably thousands, like I wasn't able to, to actually find thousands, but certainly hundreds of businesses and certainly thousands of workplaces um, when you take in nonprofits and all the rest in Use meditation in the workplace, um, and there's there's there are uh, many Fortune 500 companies. I think I found about 50 of them that um, use something called heart math also in the workplace. So we're using these different tools and techniques in business, and I'd like to tell you about one of them. Um, a an expert on forgiveness training. Fred Luskin out of Stanford University was invited into American Express to teach forgiveness training to stockbrokers. And when he did, he, he, you know, got a baseline study so that he could measure the impact on people. Stress levels declined 25%. Positive feelings increased 20%. But the kind of the kicker was that um, productivity of these forgiveness-trained stockbrokers increased 60%. Now, how could that be? Well, it's very simple, actually. When, when you study forgiveness, what you learn to do is let go of the past, let go of trauma in the past, maybe an argument that you had with your teenage son that morning at breakfast or maybe a rude client just hung up on, on you on the phone. But if you can practice forgiveness training, you can stay in the present and be focused and do a better job. So he repeated it several times, and it turned out that the results just got better and better. And in the final analysis, the forgiveness-trained stockbrokers outperformed their peers by a low of 60% to a high of 400%. That is fascinating. Isn't it? I, I am amazed. And I can only imagine, having worked with stockbrokers over the years as clients, <laughs> what the looks on their faces must have been when he said, we're going to do forgiveness training. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what that could be like. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the walls to get through, right, is to get people to be willing to try something that seems so foreign to them. Yes, yeah, absolutely. 
We just got an email in from um, a listener and um, from Bill in Florida, and he asked that um, if the people at grassroots levels could trust that corporations were interested in providing us with what we need, then why are we already not at where we want to go? You know, at any time in history, people have always wanted positive, beneficial products, so why do we have to convince corporations, quote-unquote, that this is what we want at the same time corporations are trying to convince us what we need? We aren't always offered a choice. Absolutely. We're not always offered a choice, and that's why it's so important to when you find a company, when you find companies and small-time entrepreneurs who are creating the products that you want to use, that's why it's so important when you align your pocketbook with your values and support them. And so the last uh, trend that you have is the socially responsible investment boom. Mm -hmm. And um, I know personally that there has been um, socially responsible investment opportunities happening since the mid-70s. Absolutely. Uh, And um, one of the largest organizations that where that existed was Working Assets, co-founded by Peter Barnes. Yes. um, Actually, we're going to be speaking with Peter in a couple of weeks. Oh, marvelous. It'll be great. So I'm I'm wondering, um, do you see that this is truly a place for us to be looking, that this this truly is one of the power bases for us to make change happen? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. As I said earlier, the tipping point was after the accounting scandals when people looked for ways to look at these organizations who had been attempting to screen for corporate governance as well as all of the other important things like the environment and like social impact, how you treat your employees, whether you traffic in sweatshop labor. labor, And um, people really saw that if we're going to, you know, they saw through the accounting scandals this dark side of capitalism. And so people really, it was really in your face. I mean, if you had been like, well, I don't know. I own Altria, which is, you know, Philip Morris, and this, which is this, this tobacco company. And but, you know, I probably shouldn't. Like, kind of whining, like you were saying earlier about people who 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 don't take responsibility for their money. You know, yeah. I I probably shouldn't be making eight freaking percent a year on you know selling cigarettes to children. You know, there became there was a reckoning. There was yeah. a reckoning. Yeah. And people people just started to say, really, you know, we, we've got to do things in a different way. Now, today, the crisis is very different, as I alluded to earlier when we discussed this trend. And it's like the mainstream. I talked about American Express before with the forgiveness trained stockbrokers. Of course, it's now called Ameriprise. Yeah. And they're coming in and they're advertising to the hippies with their little, um, <laughs> you know, rock music thing and all the rest. Mm-hmm and saying that your values and we're about your values and you're not going to do retirement the way you want to do it. Well, as you mentioned, there are pioneers in socially responsible investing who've been around for decades. And now there's this, on Wall Street, because of global warming, there's this competition among um, on who's going to put more money into renewable energy. It's, 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 um, it's amazing. Uh, Goldman Sachs was the first and said we're going to put a billion dollars into into um, renewable energy, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty impressive." Yeah. Next came uh, Bank of America in March this year. We're going to put twenty billion dollars into it. 
then comes Citigroup, which can't stand, you know, can't sit by and let itself be outbid by somebody else. We're going to put $50 billion into renewable energy. So it's very interesting. How do you position yourself if you're Amy Dominey and you've had the Dominey social investments around forever? Well, I'll tell you what Amy Dominey's doing. She's going global. She's um, got a got new um, mutual funds that are this one about Europe and this one that's a combination of European and um, Asian funds. So she's taking some of the same investment criteria that she's used to create. Um, her indexes that have been around for a very long time and applying them globally. And I think um, that's the way to go, that socially responsible um, investment. We have to be able to say who are the socially responsible in, in companies in some very, very growing parts of the world. So it's, it's completely, it's really, it's all up in the air and there's a lot of change. And there's a lot of opportunity, it sounds like, and not just people who are investing large amounts of money, but people who are investing their money every day at the store, online, when they're buying products, we're investing in our future. And so we have to take responsibility for making that future what we want it to be. Patricia? This has been fabulous. I could talk to you forever. You, you're <laughs> going to have to come back and, we'll, and talk more again at another time. Oh, Cheryl, that will be wonderful. I would love that. Um, so your book, Megatrends 2010, The Rise of Conscious Capitalism, um, a new, it's not a new version, it's the second printing, right? Is it's out. the updated ah, trade paperback. We went ah. through, my assistant and I went through everything and updated every possible fact and figure we possibly could. So uh, today the paperback is worth, information-wise, worth a lot more than the hardback. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Well, everybody can look for that. And your website, if they want to know more about you, is? It is Patricia Aberdeen, A-B-U-R-D-E-N-E dot com. And there's an audio version of Megatrends 2010. Oh, um, that's, a, that's put out by Sounds True, the wonderful Boulder, Colorado company, and that's available, all of them are available on Amazon and elsewhere. Terrific. Patricia, thank you so much. Join us each week, uh, live Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific U.S. time, and of course all of our shows are available to download via podcast. Next week our guest is going to be Meg Wheatley. Remember everyone, think big. The world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America.